Trevor Tuff, of course, is with us from Outback Graves. He gets out there with his group. They go out there and go to the unmarked graves and you find out all about the people and you give them a bit of dignity, don't we you? We do. We have a lovely time. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah. Lovely time for you, Trev. You're doing how many K on un- unsealed uh, roads? Out of the 6,000, was probably about 4,500. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's only an income, sort of talking Beautiful. like that. Yeah. <laughs> do and they the grow? Do they grade the roads quite the often? The roads are very good. Yeah. Very good. Actually, yeah. I was reading today in the paper that a lot of people that are venturing off with caravans, maybe for the first time, are not that experienced on the roads and oh, they're not used some to of the them driving. Are just dangerous. Yeah. Maybe they should be looking at getting a bit more experience. Catch a bus, I think, would be Catch better for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all think it's going to be easy, but it's pretty tough going out there. Yeah, well, I've done it all my life. I, I know you have. So You're different. It's just happy. Um, the, what was the unmarked graves, of course, you managed to, what, look at 150? Uh, no, this trip we only put in about 35, but we found oh, about another 31. Oh, okay. And, the and they're mostly really wrong. isolated uh, ones out on the stations. Yeah. And the station folk are, are wonderful because we go to them with, here's our list of who we think's on the station and they know where some of them are. I'm sure they do. And they can guide us to them. That stories would have passed down from family to family if they'd been there a long time. Yeah, sadly, not a lot of family stations, or not a lot of stations are still owned by families. Probably not. So gradually getting gobbled up, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. So, um, do they know you're coming? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we do all the land clearances and that first. <laughs> okay, it's poor form to just turn up and start driving around <laughs> someone's station. Yeah. I was just checking. <laughs> now, you turned up this morning with an array of, looked like a beautiful little jars of spices, but in in fact, what were they? Well, in fact, they are spice jars, yeah. For, and my wife, Susie, kindly bought me a spice rack set and we had to empty all the spices out. And I'd taken soil samples because I just love the colours. Oh, aren't they amazing? And the range of colours is just astounding. There's, there's 12 in this, this set I've made. Well, they go from blues to pink to yeah, deep, rich mauve. burgundies to mauves. Yeah, what grey. does that indicate? Oh, it's all just different soil types. And but would they show a, minerals or something? Some do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what I'm wondering is what would be the distance between one soil colour to another soil colour? Oh, sometimes just 100 metres or a few hundred oh. metres, yeah. You get an outcrop of one particular type of soil. So we don't really know what it does indicate for the oh, colouring of the soils. I guess someone knows, but I just like the colours. I won't <laughs> <laughs> You look at the aesthetics. Yeah, I'd love to it. know the history of the soils as to why yes. they have taken on those well, colours. There's got to be in, a reason. If you're in gold country, you get certain sets of rocks yeah. and, and outbreaks there. Okay, let's get started. Uh, give us the update, the 6,000k trip through the Murchison, Gascoigne and Pilbara. Yeah, we did that and uh, the furthest north we got to was at Condon, which is the original port before Port Headland was was established and it's about 200k's or 150 So the tall k's. ships used to come in? That's right, yeah. And they would, at low tide, they would just sit on the sand and the bullock teams would take the uh, bales of wool out there and they That's would load clever. them onto the ships and uh, take it off to England for... for uh, Didn't have to have a long war for a jetty or anything? No, no, did, no jetty at all. Okay. No. And it was also where the uh, site of an early overseas telephone cable to the Dutch East Indies left Australia there. And there was 11 graves. We marked all those. Only one of them has a headstone, uh, but we put the rest in lines. Yeah. 
and uh, then we spent a couple of weeks uh, searching for graves from some of the pioneers with the help of the station folk and we, we located uh, 31 that we will make plaques for and we'll go back out there next year and, to the and rest. mark those and they're dotted around some are seriously and I, you have I a team them. we've mentioned this before of course researching yes through yeah. the death certificates in the past is that where right. the records were always kept um not all yeah burial certificates and uh, uh, for the ones that are in like nine cemeteries yeah and uh newspaper articles police reports all that you sort have of to stuff. rely on that but if they're on a station you were still able to retrieve a bit of info? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Causes of death at Mount Yeah, it's Morris. quite interesting. Um, and outback grave markers are probably the only people who collate the causes of death for mm-hmm. these early communities. And it gives us an insight into the nature of the town and what life might have been like in those days. And Mount Morgan's, which we're looking at today, was a boom and bust town which went from nothing to a population of 600, producing more than 60,000 ounces of gold per year. Goodness. And it went to that from that to bust in only 12 years. They got all the gold out, did they? Yeah, that's mm. it. The gold ran out and that was the end of the town. Yep, pretty much. So when we look at, uh, out of the 57 deaths uh, that we have registered for Mount Morgans, with mine deaths, uh, three blokes were killed in explosions in, in the one event. One guy was pulled into a flywheel and killed. There was a fall of stone and uh, another one fell down a shaft. All a bit nasty. And with the infants and children, this it's really a bit upsetting at times. There were six of them stillborn out of 22. Five, the causes were unknown. So, so. Uh, a lot of times they just got sick and, they, and yeah. they died. The balance were a variety of causes, including gastro and teething during the hottest time of the year. One little boy was killed when he was kicked by a horse at the age of 15 months mm-hmm. and one girl aged 12 died from burns when her dress caught fire while she was engaged in lighting the stove. Oh, that's horrible. And when you look at adults by age, out of uh, the all of the adults there, um, nine of them were in their 20s, 11 were in their 30s, another nine were in their 40s and only two were aged more than 50, and another two aged more than 60. Mm. So it was a very young population. The younger, they were more risk-takers, I suppose. That's right, mm. yeah. And, well, mining still is a young man's game, I suppose. True. And adults, by cause, there were six mine accidents, six from pneumonia or influenza. So influenza killed quite a lot of people in those days. Mm-hmm. Three from typhoid or gastro, six from heart diseases, one from a lady in childbirth and uh, two suicides. There wouldn't have been a lot of medical help out there in those days, would there? There was there was actually a doctor. There, uh, oh, okay, at would ABC. Yeah. Wouldn't have had a hospital or anything, though, would they? Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you a bit about the hospital right. in a while. All right. Tell us more about Mount Morgan and the people that were there very well, Mount, bravely. Mount Morgan's was uh, a little town. I, I told you a bit about how it was started off, and the last time you might remember that they wanted to release some land there, and the only way they could decide who would get the land was they had a race from Mount Margaret. To Mount Morgan's and uh, what on back a horse or oh, all sorts, really? all sorts. Yeah, oh, that would have been a really funny, uh, funny story. So all the stories I've got for you today are about Mount Morgan's, okay. which is in the Shire of Laverton. And the first one is three young fellows: Patrick Doughty, aged twenty-eight; Felix Grogan, aged twenty-five; and Michael John Higgins, aged twenty-two. 
and these three young men were all killed in an explosion of dynamite on the number one level of the Westralia mine at Mount Morgans on the 13th of April 1899. And all had come from Southern Cross, a mine there had closed down and they'd moved to Mount Morgans and it was their second day at work at Westralia and all three were killed. They would have had great hope for the future by getting yeah. there and what happened. Mm. Patrick Kirby was uh, a miner with a wife called Isabella and he was aged 58 years when he committed suicide by drowning. He threw himself down Farrell's well on the 6th of April, 1904. Mm, goodness. And William Henry Armstrong and his family, this is quite a, a tale. William was an accountant and he was married to Catherine Armstrong. About the end of September in 1901, Catherine gave birth to a little girl they also named Catherine. And sadly, a few weeks after giving birth, uh, Catherine, the mother, died aged only 29 on the 21st of October 1901. Her death certificate shows the cause as syncope, which is fainting due to lack of blood supply to the brain. Although there were allegations the medical officer was drunk. Doesn't sound too good, does no. it? No. Her husband, William, aged 33, was terribly affected by her death, which caused him on the 14th of November to take his own life by ingesting ingesting prussic acid oh my God. his agony can't be can't imagined awful. and their new little daughter little Catherine at the age of eight weeks and in care died from an unknown cause on the 20th of November 1901 a week after her father so the whole family oh. was dead and buried at Mount Morgan's Catherine and her daughter were buried together with William nearby, and we'll be marking all their graves oh, in October. Oh, what a sad life. It is, yeah. It's, it, these stories, it just mm. makes you feel a lot of effort went into yeah. building Western Australia. You're not kidding. So William K. Cayley was a prospector and contractor, and he made it to the ripe old age of 69 until he died of intestinal hemorrhage on the 1st of June 1902. These are the two oldest uh, buried there. And John McLean was a greengrocer and fruiterer. Perhaps due to a better diet than most, he lived to the age of 70, but he died at Mount Morgan's on the 23rd of September 1903 from asphyxia and the rupture of an artery. In that year, Mount Morgan's hit its peak gold production of 64,945 Whoa, what would that be worth today? Something like 130 million. Yes, exactly. In one year. What if there's anything left up there? Nothing. Did you have a look? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I could only find old uh, nails and... Darn. ...and tins, yeah. So another story is about Jesse and Charlie Slythe, and they were twins born to Bella and George Henry Slythe. On the 23rd of October 1901, at the age of only 10 weeks, Jessie died at Mount Morgan's from diarrhoea, and only a week later, so did her twin brother, Charlie. With limited water for hygiene and a lack of effective treatment for diseases, many other little children also died of this cause. David Henderson. David was one of four boys born to Elizabeth and William Henderson, and he was, uh, William was a blacksmith at Mount Morgan's, and blacksmiths were often also farriers shoeing horses. No doubt little David at the age of 15 months had become unafraid of them, but sadly, at 4pm on the 29th of December 1902, he was kicked by a horse and died nine hours later. 
On the 29th of December 2000, a plaque in memory of David was placed by his, on his grave by his brother John F. Henderson. And John was born on the 1st of uh, January 1907. So John was within a few days of turning 93 when he put that plaque up. That would be unusual. Up. Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing. Clara Florence Booth was the 14-year-old daughter of Mary Ann, Annie and Thomas Booth, a miner at Mount Morgan's. On the 1st of January 1903, Clara was engaged lighting the stove fire when her dress caught fire and she died of burns. Clara's grave is just one of the 57 graves we'll be marking uh, with our engraved plaques during our trip to Mount Morgan's in October. We'd like to say thanks to the Shire of Laverton for the support of our project, which enables us to mark these graves. Also, some sincere, similar sincere thanks to the Shires of Leonora, Waluna, Menzies and Sandstone, who all make our project possible and a pleasure. I urge all Curtin Radio listeners to get out there and have a look at our work and our history. The countryside has never looked better. It's a fabulous time to You don't want everyone to get in their cars and caravans and come and follow you, do you? Oh, I'll stay in Perth <laughs> while they're up there. <laughs> but you've got a website, haven't you? Yes, we do. Yeah. So what is it again? Uh, www.outbackgraves.org Okay, if anyone's interested, yeah. if they don't want to take the trip, that is. Okay, well, another one? I thought I'd uh, finish by telling you some nice stories rather than people who have died. Good. Eddie Small, and this is a good tale of survival, Eddie Small was one who narrowly escaped death near Mount Morgans. He was some nine miles out in the Mulga when he broke his leg very badly. He was alone, so there was nothing for it but to get himself to Mount Morgans for help. His homemade crutch broke, landing him on some barbed wire, and he finally crawled into town, covered in bites from Sergeant Ants and barely alive. He'd gone nine miles with a broken leg. What a man. So when he crawled into town, uh, Eddie made it there, he, he would have been taken to the hospital, which consi consisted of two 12 feet by 12 feet Hessian tents and better facilities were being called for. The Mount Morgans community decided to do something about the appalling state of affairs. So a hospital committee was formed with Mr Walter Witham, the manager of the guest mine, appointed as honorary secretary. In early 1901, a small 10-bed ward was opened. By August, this had grown to beds for 18 males, 8 females and 4 cases of infectious diseases. Dr Crutchley was the medical officer. Don't you love that name? It's like <laughs> Cardinal Sin or something, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Perfect name. Yeah, Dr Crutchley was the medical <laughs> officer. And the hospital was efficiently run, first by matron Kay Pollock and later by matron Florence McKenzie. Medical insurance was one shilling for single males and one and sixpence for families. Yeah, good on them. And we've got uh, a good description of the school. In January 1902, 28 children under the care of the teacher, Mr Charles McGinley, crowded into the new government schoolhouse. That summer, the temperatures ranged from 107 degrees to 114 degrees Fahrenheit. The schoolhouse was not a flash affair. Lizards and cockroaches nested in the corners of the dirt floor. Boys standing on the planks of the urinal were visible <laughs> to the entire countryside. <laughs> The pile of complaints and requests to the education authorities grew over the years, but comfort was never a consideration. The minister commented tartly in reply to one suggestion, 
teachers will have to be content with Hessian line structures like everyone else up there. Oh, that's a bit rough, isn't it? My it goodness, and they kept at it. Uh, yeah. Good on them. And the last story is, is quite amazing that uh, there would be a world record holder living in Mount Morgan's, but the Mount Morgan's Hotel was a commodious building situated on one of the best sites in town. The licence was held by the Clark brothers and both had always been associated with sport in all its branches. Bill Clark left, held the championship belt of Australasia for running the 130 yards, which he won in 1886, as well as he held the world record for 50 yards run by him in five and a quarter seconds. Goodness That's me. pretty fast. Yeah, that red dirt. Yeah. Very much so. And in 1886, Harry Hutchins, the champion of England, came out to Australia and challenged Bill Clark to run the best of two out of three distances, 50 yards, 100 yards and 130, for a prize of £500 a side. Hutchins won the Sheffield distance, which is the 100 yards, but Bill Clark carried off the other two events and established his world record for 50 yards and he won the 500 pounds. Wow, that is brilliant, isn't, isn't that it? Amazing what stories. amazing stories yeah. up there. You must love it. You just about feel like you're reliving their lives when you know yeah. so much intimacy about them. You do, yeah. You do, don't you? And, and you the have, ones we've made plaques for, you, you feel like you know them. Yeah. yeah. You, you can visualise their lifestyle a little bit, can't you? The way the, yeah. the women were dressed in those big outfits they had to wear as women back then. A, a lot of the photos of these old miners and they're wearing three-piece suits and ties and all this stuff. Incredible. Yeah, probably they from... They would have been the management. Probably yeah. from the UK. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've got a podcast of our chat today and so many people Thank are you. interested in what you do. If they go to curtainfm.com.au, they can have a listen to that. And uh, thank you very much. For they can go to your website as well if they're interested to find out more. There's, you don't need volunteers or anything, do you? No, we're do going pretty well now. Yeah. Oh, that's we, good. We have our annual general meeting on on Saturday. Yeah. So if people would like to uh, come along and Where's become that? involved, it'll be at uh, my home. If they just contact us on, uh, get on to me at trevor at outbackgraves.org. Okay, and I've we'll got send that. The, uh, Details. details Trevor at outbackgraves.org. Yeah, AGM is at 2 o'clock. Okay. Fantastic. Well, welcome back. Glad you're Thank safe. You. Glad, glad you're sound. Yeah, we're all And good. Uh, just give a few tips to the local drivers up there. Were the drivers from Perth up there with you oh, to take yeah, it? Yeah, me. Some of them are just... <laughs> were they, what were they doing? What was the biggest... Well, I always pull right over on the dirt roads and get right onto the left-hand edge. If... But uh, a lot of them just, well, so you're not throwing stones in their windscreen and you slow down. Oh, I see what you're saying. If someone's approaching you or wanting to take over you. If someone's approaching you. Approaching, good point. And there's a lot of dust. And uh, so I always pull right over. And and these people just think, well, they'll go straight down the middle of the road then. And they go flat out down there and bang, went another windscreen on my car. Oh, did it? So, uh... Do it, have you got insurance anymore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> That's incredible. In fact, we had seven, seven stars in the windscreen, windscreen by the time I got home, yeah. Really? Oh, well, take care, everyone, if you're heading north or yeah, south. just take it easy. Not south. Drive, drive south, slowly. yeah, or east or whatever, definitely, because the wildflower season, people will be heading north. Yeah, it's lovely. In their droves. Thank you, Trev. Thanks, Trevor Trev, tough joining us.